0: Welcome to Forward Filmmaker, a podcast from Film Hub. I'm Max Sanders. You may know me from my podcast, Buzz in the Tower, where I discuss my favorite 80s films. But this one is different. The film industry is changing and filmmakers must adapt. On Forward Filmmaker, we'll be talking with directors and producers about the pains and opportunities facing the modern filmmaker. Joining me today is Torsten Hoffman. Torsten is an award-winning filmmaker with a background in distribution and entrepreneurship. Having lived and worked on four continents, he is passionate about where technology meets art and media. His current feature documentary, Cryptopia, has won 16 International Festival Awards. is available on VOD and large broadcasters. This podcast is brought to you by FilmHub the number one film distribution platform. Join thousands of filmmakers who are keeping their rights and getting paid on time. Submit your film today at filmhub.com and have it streamed on Amazon Prime Video, IMDb TV, Tubi, The Roku Channel, Plex, and dozens more. Torsten, how are you today? Very well. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my honor. I'm excited to learn all about the crypto field. Your films, Cryptopia and Bitcoin, The End of Money as We Know It, tackle these really dense kind of subject matters. Where does your passion for explaining such complex topics come from?
1: Yeah, no, I think my my passion is about these topics first and foremost, right? And then I tried with my first film, that was my my first try uh, to, to explain things that, People have been asking me, right, or I asked myself uh, researching this. I guess I got a little bit better along along the way, and then my newer film Cryptopia is uh, you know, five years later, and hopefully I would have still learned a little bit more, big, bigger budget, better animations. Right. Um, but, but I think that's where it comes from. So, um, and and you know, nowadays there's so many good um, YouTube tutorials, or even like things like Explained on, on Netflix. I don't know whether you know that. that sure. Series, but but it is like uh, there's so much good um, explainer type of, of content out there, and I'm, I'm sure I probably took some tricks
0: from. From experts. Going into these movies, did you have a plan for getting these intricate topics and diluting them down to the basics?
1: Yeah, well, um, all right, so um, let's maybe take a step back. So, sure. <laughs> um, 2013, I
0: find out about Bitcoin and
1: and the penny drops, and I, I kind of get it because of my financial background. I, I might have gotten it a little bit faster than other people because usually when you first hear about it, right, it must be a scam. It can never possibly work. You know, what is this crazy internet um, uh, magic money, right? But along the way, it kind of became clear that I actually needed to make a a, a documentary about money and how money works or doesn't work, about how the banks, uh, you know, like kind of, uh, you know, screw us in some uh, um, uh, cases or about central banking, how money is created out of thin air. Only then does Bitcoin make sense. And so I kind of try to break that down in my first film. Yeah.
0: So did you find by the second film you had more kind of in your repertoire when it came to graphics, when it came to music, when it came to what words to explain uh, worked better?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, but at the same time, things got more complicated because the uh, first film is just explaining Bitcoin, which is complex enough, right? And, and, and the money creation. And the second film, five years later, this whole blockchain economy uh, appeared, right? There's millions of other coins. So it's like, uh, okay, how does it actually work? What is a smart contract? So the topics got, got, got more difficult. But at the same time, hopefully my toolkit also maybe improved a little bit. The budget improved and uh, more collaborators on that project as well.
0: And did you test it on any sample audiences that didn't know about Bitcoin? I did. Um, I tried, try to do it scientifically you know there's this
1: um what's this called um the the marketing people always use these uh, feedback forms and then you get the score um the the more likely you 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 get certain scores the better you know better it performed and i think hollywood does this uh, like to a a high degree i kind of try to do this a little bit and also have like a circle of i don't know 10 20 people i always um checked back in with right the script and then the animation and then look i didn't quite understand this and that but it's that one wasn't quite uh, as sophisticated it was more like let say five of my friends, you know, giving giving me feedback.
0: You have such a unique background for a filmmaker. Where did you get the inspiration to get behind the camera? So at the time, um,
1: I had started a business, a distribution business, 2012. So at the time, 2014, 15, I would have worked with maybe a hundred different content makers or maybe maybe 50, I I don't know, from all over the world. And um, what kind of struck me is um, being on the distribution end, right? Some films perform super well. Some other films do not do not perform well at all, right? Mm-hmm. And then also, what does the market want? What does a Netflix acquire? What does a, um, a you know, broadcaster in America or in, in Europe want? So I kind of, I, I thought I had my, my unique angle is like, okay, I think I can make something that an audience might actually watch. Um, so that, that was, I think, the, the beginning. And then with Cryptopia, actually, um, that is the next evolution. So it's not like what the marketplace, the broadcasters want. Because I found out that's actually only a small part of the pie, right? The the, the big money you can make on the digital platforms. Um, and I use uh, film hub, but there, there's others as well. So you have to create like an audience yourself um, and, and like target uh, someone, uh, hopefully a, a big audience who really um, is totally attuned
0: to what, what you're making, right? Did you find at the core of your filmmaking, it was kind of audience retention and distribution was kind of a, a more important focus than normal creative directors that who start out that way?
1: I think so. I mean, it's always hard to, hard to compare, but I don't. Uh, for me, the creative comes last, and and the audience building and the positioning and the, the the marketing and the pitching comes kind of kind of first. And to be honest, right, as a filmmaker, you have to start with an idea, with a pitch deck. With uh, so, I did two kickstarters, and I think you're going to ask me about that probably later. So, <laughs> oh, of course. So it is kind of like a lot of entrepreneurial steps anyway. Um, and and then you also learn and adapt, right, and and see what works. Um, and so relatively early, you kind of I think find your your niche, find your story and then you just execute um, on that.
0: So you have this background where you're ready to market, you're ready to distribute. Where did you learn to write, edit, and direct?
1: Yeah, no, that, that is uh, maybe you know, on paper my weak point, right? <laughs> right. What I've, I've done before, I've you know, watched a lot of films, I've represented other filmmakers. So uh, what I did is I partnered with what I thought was the best filmmaker um, in, in my um, um, circle. And Michael is kind of a genius at this. And he co-directed and he edited it and, and he coached me writing uh, the first one. And the second one, uh, I, I he again is a co-director and I, I increasingly take a stronger, stronger role and, and am able to do more and more. I've never done the editing myself. Um, so that's still not my, my part of the, the role, but writing, producing, directing uh, very much so.
0: Have you reached out to other directors and asked for help?
1: Yeah, I probably have two or three times. I I might have or, or talk to someone at a conference or something. But but to be honest, um, out of a hundred, you know, little bits of inf- information or inspiration, sorry, um, you can watch it on the screen. You know, ninety eight percent of what you see on the screen, you can kind of replicate or understand what it is. Maybe in two percent of cases, you want to know, okay, how did they actually do this, or what was the budget behind that particular shot? So I think you don't actually need to, um, uh, uh, you know, have this this kind of mentorship with a dozen um, directors in order to direct yourself, I don't think.
0: What movie, when you saw it, you got that 98% and it really kind of helped you with your films? Well, there so many. I mean, <laughs> you know, every other day you watch a documentary and think,
1: oh, this was clever. And, and maybe the, the biggest ones, I mean, looking back uh, for sure, Inside Job, which won the Oscar yep. with about the financial crisis. And there's a few kind of like econo- economics, uh, financial uh, uh, bits. And there were, I think, two other Bitcoin-related films that Um, I went a complete different route, but I think um, those kind of types of content, or even podcasts, okay, how do you explain Bitcoin? How do you explain the uh, the blockchain, right? And after listening to 50, you know, different explanations, I kind of found, okay, I think I'm going to go this way, right? And I'm I'm bringing in my own experience as well.
0: In 2014 and 15, when you first started, you made your first movie. Was there a market for these crypto documentaries? Yeah, good question. I mean, there were two or three. um, One was very much focused on the
1: american landscape which was interesting and very well made but it wasn't the story i wanted to tell at the the time was based on australia i had lots of production in europe as well so so i wanted to tell an international story and um then there was another one that was focused on mining um so the mining of bitcoin which even in 2014-15 was already not consumer i mean with a laptop you can't really make you know uh, even back then um so so it was kind of i thought that was almost like too quick to be outdated. And I went a completely different route. So the first film is really about money, right? And that doesn't change because the history of money is like thousands of years old or hundreds of years old. And in my second film, I think suddenly this whole industry has em- ha- had emerged, like hundreds uh, or thousands of projects around this whole technology had, had emerged. So I-, I wanted to cover that wider ecosystem. And-, and again, I think both films in that way were kind of unique and, and yeah, I was, I was um, making my own um,
0: niche. So you talk about making it an international story were you always set on that or was you just wanted to tell the world so the globe could understand the stories?
1: Wow, that's a very good question. Um, so so maybe I should say something um, uh, um, uh, different first. So there are different kinds of um, filmmaking, right? So I just watched the the, the um, three-parter uh, documentary about uranium. It's called Uranium Twisting the Dragon's Tail or something like that. Fantastic production. And it was, they went to Chernobyl and, and Japan, like all over America, everywhere, and Australian production, actually. And literally every little sentence was pre-scripted and very well executed. So basically they were, they were shooting to script, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you can do that. And they did a fantastic job. My process is slightly different. I, I went to the first conference in January, 2014 in Miami. And I, I finished maybe a year later in, I don't know, Tokyo or wherever the last shoot, what I was, I don't remember. Um, and along the way, I keep learning. I keep meeting new people and I, I should go down this way more, this way. So I, I kind of keep evolving. When I start a project, I kind of know, okay, most of the action is in America. Oh, oh, mm. oh I want to talk to these agents, right? But I don't actually know in advance. So, so that's the first part of the of the answer. The other uh, part of the answer is definitely the international a- angle. So even though America still represents the largest audience, and I think like in, in terms of VOD, it's probably 80% of, of the audience, right? But for TV... I mean, I'm just just looking at at my chart here for Cryptopia, Um, and we have um, let's see: Slovenia, Croatia, Norway, Hong Kong, Israel, Australia, Poland, South Korea, Germany. That was a pre-sale. Russia. And then Al Jazeera, English, Al Jazeera, Arabic, um, starting from small to the biggest broadcasters uh, with hundreds of millions of people. So and you you don't find a single American uh, broadcaster there. Right. So Hmm. would those broadcasters have acquired the film, licensed the film if I had only made it in America for Americans?
0: How did you get these two projects off the ground so that they could, you know, be shown all over the globe?
1: Yeah. Um, and, and I might be different here to other filmmakers. I, I really am, um, very much focused on that kind of entrepreneurial, um, way of of filmmaking. So I put my own money first, my own time, you know, maybe six months sometimes, um, and, and create a trailer at least, uh, on on my own dime, right? That's maybe two or three production days. At least I have some content. I have a a rough idea. And then in both cases, I went to, um, Kickstarter. Um, Kickstarter is a full time job for two months. It's really, you can't do anything else. (laughs) And, and in both cases, I was successful. I had another Kickstarter. As well for a different project, which was successful, and one other failed one. And what I learned is, the more you have, you know, in the can and like you can show, the more successful it will likely be. And then you know, you have to have a large platform and and, and people who, who will help you um, spread the message. Um, and then with the second one, it, it got easier because then I, I had the first one to prove, look, there's an audience. I know how to tell to reach that, that audience. Yep. People respect me in that community. And then for the second one, I was able to get Screen Australia um, um, funding. I don't, I don't remember how much, maybe a third of the funding came from them. I had a German uh, broadcaster, a pre-sale that might've been, um, I don't know, I'm guessing now maybe 15% of the budget, right? So so you just add add on these, these um, um, uh, uh, uh,
0: capital. In the second movie... Is that how you got such larger-than-life, big presence in the crypto community? You had the creator of Litecoin. Did you use the experience from the first movie to kind of get your way in the door?
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, even even the, so I was lucky twice. So the, in 2014, the industry was so small, uh, mm-hmm. you know, nothing was covered in the mainstream media. Everyone would, wanted to talk about it, you know, and, and tell me uh, the, that vision that Bitcoin is going to replace the U.S. dollar in 2014. So it was easy to get people back then, right? But then by 2020, these guys are all billionaires, so it's hard to get interviews. Sure. But I I, I, could, I could basically prove. Look, this film has reached I don't know uh, 12 broadcasters or whatever that, that number was. It was very big um, on, on the internet on many platforms. So it's it's kind of um, easy easy for me to convince them to, 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 you know, join my next firm. Yeah.
0: Did you have any favorites?
1: Oh, I mean, all these guys are super smart and, and yeah. very, very uh, friendly and, and, and nice uh, and, uh, nice to meet. I mean, one of my favorites was uh, Laura Shin because she's also a journalist. She's a podcaster, very knowledgeable. And I kind of um, got to, you know, pick her brain a little bit of, you know, how how she manages to kind of remain neutral, friendly, but neutral, you know, not yeah. too friendly uh, with, with people. So so I really like that one. She, she shares some great stories. She's a very respected journalist and she's uncovered some, you know, big scams and, and big, big
0: stories in the crypto community. Yeah, for sure. You know, you've diluted this material down so that the normal person can understand them who do you create these films for
1: yeah so directly picking up from my last answer right so a a podcast is is a a vlog on 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 youtube right is a weekly um, summary of what's going on so it's like like you know live live reporting on something what we as documentary makers uh, make is, is almost the opposite right we spend two years on making something that's hopefully um still accurate and valuable two years later or even like my first film is now six seven years old um so, so you need to you need to really um, think about the story and what are the main trends and 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 philosophies behind it. Stuff that doesn't go outdated after you know a, a year or two, and especially for for Bitcoin and crypto and blockchain, that is stuff that moves so quickly. So you have to be very careful about that. Um, and then to answer um, your question, look, I mean, I know this community. I'm part of this community, right? I, I, mm-hmm. I, I I'm really part of, of, of this group, and I can imagine um, these people trying to for the hundredth time explain to their uh you know friend or partner or a, a colleague or ex uh, you know roommate or whatever uh, th- this topic and and i i kind of imagine that the community that i know is going to be kind of like my inner circle of people who then bring it to the, to their circle, circle. You, you know what i mean what i'm trying to say so yeah. it's like they are my uh, evangelist uh, so to speak and sure. that, that's how you reach an audience much larger than the actual crypto community
0: so do you think that applies to pretty much any kind of filmmaker to like find those people around you that are your apostles and have them go out into the world? I think that's a general um,
1: rule for, for marketing or for it, uh, online um, marketing, for sure. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you how a horror film or, sure. a, I don't know, a food documentary works, but I would imagine very much um, similar. Yeah. And again, the more global the, these people are, the better, right? And the more well-connected and influences those people are, the better, right? Because some of the uh, folks in my film have, uh, I don't know, 2 million Twitter followers or- right. You know, so it gets easier that way.
0: So do you feel like filmmaking's marketing is unique to itself?
1: Yeah, different aspects of the industry work differently. So, so the B two B side of the industry. So, to to get a, a deal with a German broadcaster, I mean that that's a relationship business, and I've been doing it for ten years, and I actually have a sales agent who's doing a phenomenal job at this as well. Um, so so that's one side of the business. Then there's another side of the business, which is kind of like um, the TVOT model, right? When you launch a film, you have a product to sell for ten dollars, so let's say, right? Yep. And then you can do the, the standard marketing uh, tricks, right? You 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 run ads on Twitter and Facebook and all that. And I've tried, and you know I have all these these metrics, like everyone I talk to, like whether it's my PR agent or my, they're always impressed by how um, much metrics I have. Like even Amazon um, now allows you to to advertise, right? And I can literally um, put a value on each click or on each visit, right? And and, and you can do that. Um, But I think what you're really asking is something else though. So it's not like selling it as a product, what you're really saying is like the branding, right? So how does Cryptopia like stand above thousands of hours of other crypto related and blockchain related content and, and that is difficult it's it's, it's, um, it's it's going on podcasts it's like uh, you know being part of that that community and, and i don't know whether there's a playbook i mean i have i have my technique but i don't know whether it would work for everyone
0: not everything applies to everyone but what life hacks have you found in filmmaking where it's like oh i had to go a to d and now i can go a to b good one um I don't think
1: I don't think um, I've, I've learned uh, like really hacks. I mean, the, the the basic tools are still the same: strong trailer, mm. um, uh, strong key art, right? Um, and uh, you want to have like a screen Australia or maybe a broadcast attached to it to get get or like famous people in it. I mean, this, this is like none of this is like super <laughs> uh, <laughs> like super uh, hacks or
0: anything. No, sorry. It's just you got to keep grinding.
1: Yeah, that's true. And every filmmaker, every film is different. And I'm sure you're going to ask me about about that as well later on. But but. Um, I think I've I just found my my way of telling a story in my my audience and my, my niche and, and it kind of works right I have the the right situation sorted out and and things like that.
0: So if you were talking to a young filmmaker and you had to give him one piece of advice what would you say? If he has never done anything before he or she then uh, just start
1: right and and mm. starting might be um, a, a TikTok uh, you know, channel or whatever you <laughs> yeah. call it. Um, but but then I, I do think so. I mean, one thing to take away from this interview, I think, is really that that uh, positioning and finding your niche and finding your audience and then relentlessly re- relentlessly focusing on that. Because I mean, if you just do oh, I'm making a horror film, then it's like okay, you're one out of you know, 250 this year. So how is you gonna, you're going gonna be different? But if you're one out of two. You know, Bitcoin uh, movies. You know that that is different, right? So, so the smaller your niche, and the better you know that niche, the better, I would think. I would say.
0: So, finding your niche, you know, in crypto. Did you ever plan on being in front of the camera? So, first, first film was a relatively low budget. It was a lot of stock footage, um, and it was, uh, you know, an, 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 my first try.
1: Second one, we had a proper production crew, proper production budget, um, and then Michael, my co-director, and he was he was so right. It was maybe the best piece of advice I've ever gotten. He said, "Look." This is your story because you, you're telling the story from when you, we did the first film to now the second film. What did you learn? And, and, and people want to know, people want to identify with someone. And then, I, you know, I was reluctant for a long time, but it kind of does make sense. And now when I do my next film, it gets even easier because now I have a, you know, not only the track record of two films, I also have a a reputation and a brand myself, right? So so it it does become easier. And if you look at a lot of successful documentaries of, of late, you will see that the filmmaker actually put themselves as part of the characters in the film. Even sometimes it's just you know, behind the camera, you know, one one crucial question comes from the filmmaker, but, but that makes a difference. Even inside job, like the, this this documentary from back then, there's like two two times where the the filmmaker actually does some something journalistic, and that sets him apart from just a, a
0: regular financial documentary. I think. So, what's the next step? What's the next movie?
1: Yeah, I'm working on on something even bigger. Um, it's not the crypto community, but it's another tech uh, sector, a new industry that's emerging. And again, I'm I'm, I'm covering an, a, a global story and a controversial industry and the the financial and 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 business and economy parts behind it. Um. So yeah, I'm super excited about it actually, but it's not quite ready to to be shared.
0: <laughs> that's fair. That that's a nice that's a nice teaser. People will be excited about that. So do you think this explaining of complex materials and really bringing it to the masses? Is that going to be your niche for the next Fifty years.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I can only think about from one one project to the next. I don't know about fifty years, but I, I, I do think that kind of works because now I have a, an audience large enough to to make itself um, uh, sustaining, right? And, yeah. and I am not sure whether Kickstarter is still the way to go. Maybe uh, you know NFTs or something else uh, you know takes its place. But but at least um, with with those two films, I have something. Um, I've, I've built like a, some sort of a um, yeah
0: audience. Yeah. And you mentioned before your TV reach and possibly doing, you know, bringing your movies to TVs. Is that kind of a new field when it comes to these documentaries, selling to TV stations and whatnot? Well, I think it's the other way around. I think, I
1: mean, uh, it, it documents, TV has been around longer than, than the streamer. So so that's how it started. And there's different recipes and different uh, ways to produce a TV documentary. Um, And now, uh, you know, we think that everything is streaming, but actually it's it's the other way around. I I think the trick is actually to do both at the same time and and Cryptopia managed to do uh, um, both. And again, I think that might be my playbook for the future. So you have one feature documentary that is kind of for that online audience, but also have a TV cut um, that that is appealing to an international TV audience.
0: Let's go back in time a little bit. I'm curious if you had a time machine and you could go back and tell yourself one filmmaking piece of advice where would you go and why?
1: Okay, so first of all, if I had a, a time machine, <laughs> I would just buy Bitcoin, right? Okay, In 2014, yeah. uh, instead of spending money on, on the film, I would be a very rich man, yes. which I'm not. Um, but um, filmmaking advice Look, I, I think at, at the at, at the time of the first one, I, I was just not quite ready and I didn't have the budget to do anything much better. And I think, um, you know, given um, the, my constraints, that was that was perfect. And, and I think uh, Cryptopia is um, I'm very proud of it. But watching it now, there's like those two or three little things that still bother me. So I think I would just be a little bit more perfectionist, uh, perfectionist about it. And hopefully my next film will be something that I'm, that, that is like frame to frame kind of um, the way I wanted it. Right.
0: No, you can definitely see the development from the first movie to the second
1: movie. Yeah, no, thanks. I mean, that that actually means a lot to me because not many people have watched both or they forgot about the first one. But but, but it's nice to have someone like you who knows about filmmaking say that because, um, yeah, it was a huge difference. It was also like eight times bigger budget or something, right?
0: All right, so we've talked to you about the intricacies of the film industry. Let's talk to you as a movie fan. What's your favorite future-based movie where it's like a dystopian, apocalyptic kind of world?
1: Yeah, I mean that one is easy because the Matrix is is dystopia, right? Uh, you could also say utopia in in some aspects, but but it's also like so well made and it still stacks up today. Uh, it, it it's um, technically brilliant, but also philosophically. I mean, now we're talking about the simulation theory, uh, you know, and, and all this kind of stuff. And and those guys did this. I don't know, twenty five years ago, twenty years ago. It, it's crazy. So I think that's that that one would
0: be number one on
1: my list for sure.
0: Let's go positive. What's your favorite? The world is going to be better in the future. Movie.
1: Yeah. So I would actually, um, I, I, w- I mean, it's it's not a popular one among um, the, the filmmaking crowd, but but if you talk about the technology and, you know, he, mankind, then I think we have to look at Star Trek. Star Trek is, you know, people don't worry about uh, poverty or like um, uh, social unrest. We are just out there exploring things. Uh, you know, we're all scientists and we're all explorers. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, if that's the future,
0: I'm all in, right? That was a very conscientious movie and, you know, theme in general on that TV show. It's just like yeah, for the betterment of man.
1: Yeah, and, and, and it's crazy. Like, the, the, the first one started in the 60s or maybe early 70s. And uh, yeah, it's it's pretty, pretty, uh, yeah, interesting.
0: What's the most realistic technological movie about the future?
1: Um, I'm going to give uh, another unpopular opinion here because the, the film wasn't really that good. But recently... Um, there was this um, sci-fi movie about at Astra. Um, so about um, uh, space travel and, and things like that. It's something I'm very interested in, you know, sci-fi related. Yeah. And they had this, this, this one or two scenes about how, um, space travels becoming like like almost like boarding an airplane right and, and it looked like that and and this weekend you know we're gonna have uh um uh, branson you know doing his space thing and then um, um uh, jeff bezos in, in, in next week or something like that so it, it kind of foreshadows that and then it even had like a, a moon base where i don't even know what was going on, on the moon base but it was kind of like uh, people were living there and it's just like an outpost so so that one and and another maybe counterintuitive one would be truman show i mean truman show again like like foreshadowed this thing that we have like a camera on us and a tracking devices on us. Yeah. We're all kind of like like Truman in, <laughs> in some weird way, right? It's, it's, it's fantastic.
0: Ad Astra is fantastic, by the way. I really enjoyed that movie. You know, it's quiet. It's beautiful. James Gray has a very unique command behind the lens.
1: I, I do think so. Actually, I did like it better than, but then we shouldn't be too influenced by just, um, you know, one or two reviews on our, on, on our Twitter or something. Because, sure. yeah, it, it had... Yeah, very, a lot of strength, yeah.
0: Let's say you could be on any film set in all of time. Where are you going and why?
1: Oh, super easy. That, that one is the easiest questions, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm, my background, so when I started in 2011, um, 12 with my business, it was all about 3D. Um, um and My company was called 3D Content Hub. So um, I have like that background and I'm still doing a lot of work in virtual reality, um, uh, VR and 360 video. And the one filmmaker who has really, um kind of he he stood for those kind of filmmaking techniques and innovation was uh, james cameron and avatar was just i mean still number two movie of all time yeah and he's been producing avatar two and three i think for the last 15 years i don't don't know (laughs) if it's ever going to come out but they're going to use or they are using some some uh, techniques that that would be um stuff that that we will maybe use 20 years in the future because he's always that that far ahead of the game
0: So do you see VR as being something that's going to come and take a bite of the filmmaking kind of industry?
1: Um, I, I, so I'm hugely bullish on, on VR. Um, I'm still, um, working with a lot of VR filmmakers and I'm, I'm consulting with a few of the big um, platforms and it's, it's already bigger than most filmmakers think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do not think that it will replace any like sort of traditional, um, you know, f- f- film and, and streaming and things like that. I think it's additional, just like how computer games are not replacing TV. They're just, you know, a, a new thing for new, um, a new generation. So I think it is important for all of us to watch, um, but I'm, I'm not quite sure how it's going to end up. I, I think it's going to be most likely much more um, immersive and interactive. So sort of like, you know, more game me mm-hmm. rather than, than sit back, but um, I might be wrong on that.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, Avatar 2 will come out and just blow our minds and everyone will run to do VR after that. We'll see. So where can people find your stuff, Torsten?
1: Yeah, so I, my my favorite place um, uh, to point people to is uh, cryptopiafilm.com because uh, that's where I sell uh, the film, you know, for for a couple bucks, uh, so to speak. Um, but I'm using FilmHub as I mentioned earlier, and and they've they've um, onboarded the film to many many platforms, including Amazon. So Amazon is probably the, the easiest way to 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 uh, um, get to my films.
0: Thank you so much for coming. It's been a pleasure. I feel a little bit more educated about crypto. So I just want to say thank you.
1: Thanks for having me. Buy some
0: Bitcoin and watch my film. Thanks. <laughs> Take care. Finding an audience can be the greatest challenge a filmmaker can face. FilmHub is the answer to the distribution problems of the film community. FilmHub has helped countless directors get their projects onto major streaming services. So if you are finding the distribution side of filmmaking a frustrating battle, let the number one film distribution platform do the heavy lifting for you. Thanks for listening please subscribe, rate, and review Ford Filmmaker on whatever podcast platform you're using. The smallest gesture makes a world of difference, and we so appreciate it. On the next episode of Forward Filmmaker, we'll be talking with Sweater Rye, director of the Oscar shortlisted documentary, A Pandemic Away from the Motherland, to discuss making a film about a once-in-a-generation public health crisis.